So I guess it's, you had to like sum it up in three points. It's don't reinvent the wheel, you know, find the most value. And three, don't be stupid. <laughs> what do you think about seeing a verdict? Who? So, okay, so I was looking over uh, notes in our YouTube descriptions, which you can find us everywhere if you search SR, Verde, X, everything, all platforms. Especially you can watch our podcast, which you're watching us now. Thank you. So, basically, I was kind of looking at your bio. You know, S.E. Green, a.k.a. Senior Verde, is a carpenter who figured out how to borrow money, run a business, and deliver on the goods and services he said he could. After many years of scratching around in the real estate industry, uh, parentheses, hacking, which I want to come back to that, and figuring out what suited him and or what best fit the market, he now currently runs a successful multi-million dollar real estate development company and serves as CEO at 88 Realty, a comprehensive model real estate firm based in Texas. You're listening to Everything That I Know podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Whitley. Here with the one, the only, that knows everything that Senior Verde knows. Senior Verde. God almighty. You're never, ever going to do that and not, like, joke around, right? Which is awesome. I was being serious. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's awesome. Yeah, we're here again. Uh, it's great to be back. You read that um, piece of a bio from... Uh, either YouTube description or yeah, that the was website. episode twelve in the descriptions. Yeah, that's in there like every time. I think it's a repeat. Yeah. So, hacking. Yeah. What do you mean by hacking? Are you starting there? Or are you going to start at the top? I'm well, I thought I would just get hacking out of the way because I didn't think it was going to take you that long to explain <laughs> what hacking was, unless you're a computer programmer. <laughs> and if so, like, wow. Yeah, that's hack not... into the uh, Federal Reserve System, and that's how he oh, became man. a multimillionaire. Hacking. So, what is a hack? A hack is like, I mean, it's a life hack. It's a hack. You go, um, you find a a way to improve on a system or a task or something like that. Like the like the protein bar from a few weeks ago. Yeah. My hack for that is to cut it up into pieces, put it in a Ziploc bag, put it in the freezer. And then when I have a craving for a sweet, I take one little sliver of that protein bar out instead of eating, you know, a Hershey's Kiss or a Snickers Mini or something like that, right? Okay. That's a hack. So in the real estate game, there are tons of hacks and things that I figured out on my own that were, you know, little nuances of being a trade uh, contractor, like a tradesman, a a carpenter, right? Mm -hmm. And having some of those skill sets, I was able to bring some of those things to the table, literal physical hacks to make the product, the end product that we were bringing to the marketplace better. And then I figured some ways around some of the challenges when it came to borrowing money, um, dealing with financial institutions and banks and things like that. Um, And none of those are like, um, what what would I like to say? How would I define? um, Fun? No, 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 no. Um, um, None of them are criminal or or crooked or anything like that. They're all straight lace. It was just knowing the banking system and or asking the right questions and getting the answers that allowed me to kind of go, well, if you could do it like that, why couldn't you do it like this? And they're like, well, I I guess we could do that. I'm like, cool. That's a hack. 
Okay. Not not following the norm, but you weren't hacking the financial system. That was not hacking. Okay, the just financial one disclaimer. System. No, no I'm, I'm sure that I, I am I am not the uh, cut from that cloth of the technical like get in there and, and do that kind of stuff. I'm so not no. either. I worked for a software I can manipulate company. a PDF and an Excel spreadsheet, but um, now I'm not programming anything or jumping in anything. So, so that's what that means. Yeah. Okay. And so I guess like. You know, you do have your business cards around here. Real estate investment strategists. There you go. Who make strategies. I would think that, that is, would be. Yes. Okay. So I guess that's, yes. tell me, what is that? Like, is this, is this the like first company you created? Mm-mm, no, that's probably, um, internally, that's probably the third one that I have total control over. That's not a partnership, uh, something like that. That's the third iteration of a, of a company. So, that company is more like a holding company. All the assets that we put on the ground that we develop, whatever we do that we're going to keep, go into that entity. And so it's the you know kind of the managing thing over all the real estate empire, if you will. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically you kind of want to have, if you're trying to get multiple sources of income, which I'm guessing is kind of the same thing, if you have multiple businesses going on, mm-hmm. you kind of want one pool that everything goes into and feeds the others. Is that kind of what you're saying that kind of started as? Yeah, sort of. Um so some companies are, are set up to produce, like take raw land, develop it, put things on the ground, make it work. And then other companies are just meant to hold some finished produced asset. That's what ETXPG is. And along with that, we have uh, a development leg, you know, inside our organization where we we hire a general contractor through that entity to do all the work. Now, a lot of times the general contractor is another entity that we operate, but at the same time, they're completely operated separately and they run separately, different books and all that stuff. Um, the strategist part of it is saying, basically, we've been doing this a long time. There's more than one way to get it done. One size fits all in real estate investment doesn't work. And so we really will take people in and say, well, what do you want to do? Everybody says, well, I just want to make residual income and you have cash flow. Really? Right. No. Seriously, like, do you have an aspiration to own a commercial space? Do you want to do residential? Do you single family, multifamily, high rise? I mean, what do you want? You know, what do you see? Because everybody has kind of a vision. And then once we gauge kind of what their, you know, uh, predetermined or predefined ideas may be about real estate investment, then we might say, okay. I think you'd be more suited towards this, and here's why. And or what is your financial risk exposure? What are you looking to get into? Like, do you want? Are you willing to buy a million dollar property, or are you five million dollar property, or are you at the hundred fifty thousand dollar mark? And those are just some of the things that you know we uh, we share with those that that come into the space and ask. And a lot of times, it's something that we can uh, we can help them with. So that's where the strategists part comes into it. Okay, so. You talked a little bit about <clears throat> trying to help people find, and you may correct me the way I, the way that you said this. Um, you, you dealt with the challenges of trying to find money when you're wanting to kind of get stuff going, right? What were those challenges? What what was your biggest obstacle from well, obtaining? Yeah, so the system was built around because I, I, when I got started, I, I was a, kind of a contractor. I was a carpenter who became a contractor who started to build, you know, homes, single family homes mm-hmm. and duplex rental properties. Well, the challenge was I'd never done that before 
I'd never signed on the dotted line. And so what was catch 22, what was so funny was you'd go in to talk to a lender and lender would be like, great, you got good income. Great. You got a great, um, credit score. Awesome. Have you ever built a house? No, that's why I'm here. Oh, well, if you've never built one, we can't do one for you. Like what? Mm. Like how, then how do you ever build your first one? Right. <laughs> it's like, how, right. That's confusing to me. Well, you've got to get someone else to sign on paper that they're the builder and then you can get the loan as the borrower. And then that's a, that's differentiation enough that the examiners won't worry about it. I'm like, so you want me to go get someone else to lie on paper that they're my builder, yet I'm really going to build it. And then after we do that once or twice, I've got street cred and then I can do it. But it almost kind of sounds like if you did that, when you go the <laughs> second time, you're still not going to be able to say that you built, built the house. It, right. You know yeah, I mean? you're like, still, yeah. So, so it was a really weird system. And, you know, it's there to the to the financial institutions merit. They have to have rules. They have to have governing protocols, mm-hmm. policies, procedures, et cetera. The rules are mandated by the government if they're FDIC insured, right? It's the policies and procedures that you can manipulate because those are internal. Those are self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Like we don't loan money unless you have a score of X. That's not a federal law. Right. That's not an FDIC thing. That's their internal procedure and policy. So eventually um, what I did was I found private equity. Um, I was aligned with an individual that had some uh, cash laying around or was about to be laying around from an investment that was um, expiring and basically some T-bills. And uh, when those came due, all that money came back to him. And he had an inclination to kind of follow along uh, with me and do kind of walk the same path, mm-hmm. but at the same time was going to fund uh, some projects for us. So I fore- forego dealing with the banks. And I dealt with private equity. Um, and so what happened was we, we built a project or two, and we split the profits. Uh, unfortunately, the first one we built didn't sell because it was a, it was a unique property, a multifamily property. And so I ended up having to buy him out. But borrowing money for that wasn't a problem because I was just buying an asset. Oh, yeah. So right. I had good credit, had good income. I was just right. buying a rental property. Right. So the very first structure that I ever built as a home builder was a duplex rental property. The second one was a single-family house. So I've been doing this, you know, for a long time, 20 years. So I guess is one of the things you look for on this side of things is that you see like a land and you're like, oh, I could I could build some houses on that. Oh, for sure. So yeah. I guess the majority, a lot of your businesses are... You know, do you and then do you manage that property? So those are great questions. Um, let me grab the first one and say that as a visionary creative, if I see a raw piece of property, the first thing I'm going through in my mind is what's the highest and best use and what can I put on the property, right? So for someone who is a creative who understands that and the way we think, I can literally see a finished project in my mind when I look at that blank piece of property that has nothing on it. I can see cars parking in the parking lot, going inside of retail spaces. If it's a re- residential, I can see kids riding their bikes and playing on the street. I can see the types of ho- homes. How far are they apart? How big are they? I mean, it's just, I can see the logo, the gate, the landscaping. It's just something I've been gifted with. So that is hard to turn off. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's overwhelming, especially when you're getting started and trying to be aggressive and be hungry, um, hungrier than you really had the capacity to do which was my case. Um, 
you would have so many things going on and so many different ideals. You really just had to rein that in and get focused. So for me, it was um, it was learning the the language of lending and learning the language of business in order to execute on the ideals and the aspirations that I had. And um, yeah, there was some really good stuff there early, early on. Yeah, no, I mean, because that's kind of where I'm at. I'm seeing so many opportunities, like, especially like in the downtown area, there's, you know, so many different areas that would be really cool to do. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, okay, where do you really get started? But I feel like for me, it would be kind of that similar thing. Okay, I've got to start small, you know, whether it's um, <clears throat> like a duplex or, you know, something that's allowing you to get, I want residual income coming in. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. Yeah, who doesn't? So, so the the one thing that I picked up on that you just said, um, there's a lot of projects and things that pop into your head that would be cool. And I'm not picking on you, but a lot of people think that way. Wouldn't it be cool if we had this? Wouldn't it be cool if we had that? You really have to pay attention to what your market thinks is cool. Because what you and I might think is cool won't sell, won't lease, nobody wants mm-hmm. it, you know? And so you've got to be very careful to understand and study your market and play to the market. Don't start out being a revolutionary, like someone who is innovative and doing the brand new thing nobody's seen in the marketplace. I know this because I tried it and it didn't work, right? right? Right. In my market. Uh, This is 2003, four, and five. Um, uh, We had several different things going, but one of them was so innovative for our marketplace, it was just like completely rejected. We were like, I don't want to do that. I was like, this is all they do in the Metroplex area. We don't want that here. Okay. Yeah. I lost. But... You know, so you think about your market, you study your market, and then you look for value, but you don't look for bargains. Bargains usually denote one of two things. Either A, it's too good to be true, and we all know that adage, you know, it doesn't work. Um, or it's it's a bargain for a reason. It may have been on the market too long. It may have a, some sort of issue. Um, uh, so I look for value. And so when I say that, if I'm, buying or acquiring pre-existing structures, I'm looking for things that are well-built value mm-hmm. that um, have a long usefulness left in their life, the the age of the property. Um, and what do I think I can do with it? Either the exact same use or a redevelopment, which means change the use. Um, and what could I, what kind of value could I bring to that? And now it, I'm so well versed in it and I have so many systems in place to kind of filter that through. I just drop the property in an ideal right here and it funnels down at the bottom and it's either a W or an L. It's like a win right. or a loss. It takes, you know, a couple of days really on a big property and a few hours on a small one to do that. It's just a series of checks and, and check boxes and what is this and what is that. Um, but that's what works for me. Right. Somebody else drops it in the same funnel through the same filter totally different answer. So, you know, I've had people tell me, well, how do you do that? What does it look like? And I go exactly like this and we might run their scenario and it's completely different. Right. Uh, It's not about the numbers on some of those things as much as it's about the feasibility and the capacity. Mm -hmm. So the feasibility comes from studying the market. Does the market want it? Does the market need it? That's feasible. Uh, Is it feasible to do it? And then the, uh, um, how do you gauge that maybe you're taking something that's a low opportunity now that may, in the future, the market may not see that right now they need it, but by the time you develop it, it's going to grow and become more of an investment? And that's pretty short term. Like I would say inside of three years, you should be able to turn a profit 
And if not, then you should wait or you shouldn't do it at all, mm-hmm. you know. And then we have a lot of different scenarios like where we are, which is not where most people start. We are now selecting projects that will carry us into the coming years, right? So I'm looking at projects that are two years, five years, seven years, ten years, like because those will overlap one another. And as these expire and move move out of inventory or move mm-hmm. out of out of the the system of, of, hey, we developed it, it's all sold out. Now what do you do? Well, you got to have one behind that. And then mm-hmm. you got to have one behind that. And you got to have one behind that. And so not only those, but then the short ones, the three and quicker, what we call low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. What's, what, what's something we can get in, get on, get done, move out, be done, right? That's, uh, that's a completely different kind of thing because it's not about the long-term stacking of projects in order to have something residual long-term. It's more about quick kill in there, out there, grab it and go, use that revenue for something else. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know. So it's like you try to make sure that your projects are kind of feeding your next project. So you don't have to go and borrow as much, correct? Yeah, borrow as much or in the future, anything. You know, for some of those, you can stack those in a certain way that they would feed each other to the tune of limiting exposure to the risk of debt service or eliminating it. And so that, for me, that's the goal, eliminating that need and that reliance on the financial institution. Okay, so Cliff Notes, don't reinvent reinvent the wheel. Don't reinvent the wheel. Find the most value. Mm -hmm. And three, you just said it, and I was trying to think about one and two. Those are the things that I like to do. Those quick kills, those low-hanging fruit are good because those give you cash injections in the short term. Now, when I say short term, most people think, oh, a couple of months, I can do a flip. I'm not talking about short term in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Short term is three years. That's short term. Anything inside of three years in the real estate business is short term. You're going to go flip some projects, cool, whatever. It's not my bag of tricks. I'm not into that. I don't advise people to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just over here. Well, see, I think that's one of my problems. I don't, I don't know how to – I've got a shelf that I need to drill into the wall, and I'm over here like, hey <laughs> – you got any free time, Mr. CEO, to come yeah. show me your carpentry skills? Yeah. Well, what you, know? you need is a masonry bit and a hammer drill, and you drill a smaller hole than what you're going to use. You put a filler in there, like a cap or a, some sort of shim, and then you put your finished screw inside the smaller than it should be hole, and that's what holds it tight, right? Creates friction. So anyway. Got it. Yeah. You can handle that. Yeah. But on the investing side, you know, like I said, anything inside of three years uh, is short term. But if you're thinking that you're going to go out and do something in real estate in three to six months, I mean, you might do something, but it won't be significant enough to to change the trajectory of what you're on right now. It'd be that ins- to me, it'd be that insignificant, you know. Now, if you're going to do it and your margin, your reciprocated margin coming back to you is a couple of grand and that's game changing for, you know, your family or your family tree or whatever you got going on, then it's obviously worth it. You know, um, if you're a high income earner and you're looking just to not really diversify, but just to have a growing number of assets beyond 401k and that kind of stuff, then real estate is a great place to go. Um, we have a lot of clients that come in and purchase real estate from our real estate company that we represent or assets that we actually produce um, that are under a million bucks, sometimes under 500,000. Um, and they're doing fine with that. It's limited exposure. 
it's usually something you can turn pretty quickly if you needed to get out of it. You know, if you wanted to sell something that was a million bucks, um, there's a whole lot less people out there buying million dollar assets, there's a whole lot more buying under 500, under 300, if you can mm-hmm. get them. And so that's something that uh, is used as an exit strategy or a security blanket for those, some of those individuals. But you know, if you're, if you're making, we talked about this early, early on, if you're making $45,000 a year and you want to buy some rental property or have real estate investment, it's difficult. And it's difficult not only to get started, but to really have a return mm-hmm. um, that's worth your time. Uh, and when I say that, it's like, well, if 2000 bucks is going to change, you know, what's happening inside your family dynamic with your budget, well, I can show you a lot of different ways to make two grand that doesn't right. involve buying a piece of real estate and flipping it. Right. You know, right. Yeah. I mean, you could deliver pizzas, you could get a part-time job, you could, you know, get a career change. So there's, there's other ways to make that limited amount of, uh, upside without doing real estate. Gotcha. Yeah. So I guess it's, you had to like sum it up in three points. It's don't reinvent the wheel, you know, find the most value and three, don't be stupid. <laughs> Well, I mean, don't be stupid applies to just about everything in life. Well, yeah, and I just couldn't think of the third one you said, so I'm throwing that in there. Well, I mean, I think you could you could wrap it up and say number three, it should be lower your expectations. Mm. Yeah, Just lower your expectations. When you set that bar too high by following some of these guys on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, that are talking about what they're talking about, and you get sucked into the vortex of, oh, man, it's going to be quick cash, I'm going to make it. Just set your expectations really low, and then you're not disappointed. And and um, um, just go back to the old old wisdom of if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And um, everything that is a success is work. Bottom line, you know, outside of winning the lottery or some distant relative passing away and leaving you a ton of money, everything is work. So there's no quick, you know, get rich quick thing in the real estate game. Um, and so I just want to tell people to lower their expectations. That would probably be the a really good one to adhere to. Nice. Yeah. Wow. All right. So I guess it's a lot like kind of if you want to if you want to put a tree in your yard, it's kind of hard to just plant a massive pine tree like all of a sudden. So you have to kind of like plant this little small stick. Yeah, and, and like water it and watch it grow. And then after years, you finally have a tree. Yeah. And, you know, that's a great analogy. Let's let's use the trees for a second because I'm thinking about that as you're saying that. And, you know, there are species of trees that grow super fast. And they fill out with leaves really quickly. They fill out with limbs. But they don't live as long. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like a uh, Bradford pear tree lifespan 20-ish years, maybe 25 years, I think is probably the lifespan of a Bradford pear. Put it in the ground, boom, two or three years, you got a massive tree, massive in relative terms, but you have a tree, not a twig. But they don't live a long time. However, you have an acorn, you drop it in the ground, 12 years later, it's eight feet tall, maybe 10. But how long does it live? Two or 300 years if cared for yeah. and not damaged by trees. So longevity over speed. Right. Right? Speed kills. And that wasn't a drug reference. But the speed of that growth of that tree, its lifespan's really fast. Think about that with your real estate. If you're mm-hmm. into real estate, you want to get into real estate, you want to do that, 
think about you know growing from an acorn into a mighty oak and not necessarily jumping up like a river birch or a wax myrtle or a I'm showing my cards here that I know a little bit about uh, would that be botany I think horticulture some of those things I think so I'm not an arborist but you do have a but I am a strategist take a picture of this. <laughs> yeah the tree you know what somebody commented not too long ago they wanted to know what the tree back here was so this tree so my daughter's third grade class uh, as a project um, took string one of the fathers of one of the children in the class nailed all the nails on the board and then the children took string and everybody got to string a little bit of it did your phone, phone die? died sorry about that anyway uh, so if you're wondering what that is it's just a little piece of string art but my daughter's third grade class did that your daughter did that my daughter's class all of the children participated it was a group project and what's co- what's really cute about it we bought it at a school auction trying to raise money for some fund or whatever. What's really cute about it is on the back of it, all the students in the class signed it. It's, That's incredible. That all this time, I thought that was like a... Like, super high-end work of art. Yeah. Yes. No, so many people have asked me, and I'm like, yeah, my daughter's third grade class made that. <laughs> a little bit of insider info there on senior so, birthday. stay in art class, kids. You'll get to, <laughs> you'll yeah. get to make trees. You get to make trees. That's well, right. So, I mean, I guess also kind of just jumping off that last point, if you take the acorn, it has a lot of value, and at the same time, it's a low risk. So could you say if something is a a fast return, it's too good to be true, but at the same time, it probably has a really high risk. A lot of high risk. So if you have a high risk with value, that's not really a good return on investment. Right. That was a key term in my real estate finance. Oh, Oh, yeah. Just showing I'm learning something. That's right. You are learning something. So, um, But, yeah, so I think that kind of gives us a little inside look into part of your world. Yeah. It's like this massive pizza, and we just talked about the toppings today. We just talked about the black olives. That was it. love olives. I love olives, too, man. That's another example of a tree that takes forever to grow, but man, it yields really good fruit once it does. It makes a really good. And what is avocado trees? They take like at least two or more years before they yield fruit, I think. Maybe even longer than that. I have no idea. Anyway. All I can do is think about olives now. We need to do martinis again one day. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy to share all this information. You know, just in the few minutes that we've been talking about it, there's so many other thoughts bouncing around my brain because it just goes like this. Yeah, And all of those nuanced things, the hacks, whatever you want to call them, that I've learned throughout the years, um, you know, they're like, they're just second nature to me now. And Mm -hmm. unless somebody says or asks me a a pointed question about something, I just, I can't even really explain what I'm doing. But then when the question pops, I know exactly how to answer it, right? Yeah. I've had those exchanges with the guys in some instances on those uh, Long for the Ride series on the YouTube channel. Um, Which now that I have time... I want to you go along for the ride. You want to go along for the ride? Yeah, so I launched a new, uh, just a segue, I launched a new um, newsletter through the website and been talking about it a little bit here and there, and it's called The Road Report because we're, mm. we're along for the ride, yeah. and I'm taking everybody with me. And so, you know, notes from the road and all that kind of stuff, it's, um, that's something that's pretty cool. So if you're out there and you want to get a weekly newsletter from me with all the good stuff, some insider stuff like that, and then also just some stuff that you won't find really published anywhere else, it'd be cool if you jumped on board. Sounds good. Very cool. Well, thanks for doing this again. I hope you learned something. I did. And uh, we'll dive deeper as we go forward. I, I could see this being something that a lot of people are going to question about, maybe comment and engage on. So I'm sure it won't be the last time because it's a real hot button 
You right. know, everybody wants to get in real estate, especially when it's good. Right. And I'm, I'm not a guru out there trying to sell you an ebook about real estate, but anything that we chatted up here about uh, is free, you know, no big deal. I give it away. Yeah. Like feel free else. to send us your questions. Uh, the more specific, the better. Just shoot a DM to Senior Verde X. Yeah. And if, uh, and if you, you know, ask a question about my life, I'll send you my one and only Card 53 shirt. <laughs> You're giving away one? It's the last one I have. But it's Fred, uh, Fred, uh, fresh off my back. Fresh off your back. That is awesome. Just want to see if I have one <laughs> follower out there who might ask a question. Man, the T-shirts have been flying out of here, too. You know, I made that little uh, freebie offer back a couple episodes. It's like yeah. T-shirts going. So it's cool. Uh, I think we still have. I think we still have a few left. If somebody wants to, well, jump if somebody in. asked me a question now. You may have to like sponsor some shirts. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, we can do that. Well, again, as always, thank you for doing this. And um, I know it's a time out of your schedule. I think things are going good for you now. So you got some Absolutely. clarity and some freedom. Yep. And I appreciate you and appreciate everybody listening. And can't wait till next time. Thanks, Absolutely. everyone. Absolutely. Thanks, guys.